Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Heat Treat Buyer's Guide. Find your heat treatment resources at www.heattreatbuyersguide.com. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Leon, editor of Heat Treat Radio. Today, Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today, and thermocouple expert John Nigley from Pelican Wire join together with the final installment of a three-part Thermocouple 101 series in which John talks about Thermocouple wire insulation. As with the previous episodes, you can learn more about Thermocouples 101 on the website at heattreattoday.com. Now, over to Doug and John. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. Yeah, it's good to see you again, Doug. I know we've run into each other a couple times out there in the, in the field, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, being having the opportunity to do all this stuff in person again. So uh, yeah, it will hey, be I'm nice. It yeah. will be nice. Before we hit the record button, we were talking about uh, shows this fall and hoping that they happen because sounds you like I think we're we're ready to get out. We're ready to get out and go. So you are the business. Uh, development manager for Pelican Wire. And if you don't mind, give us just a little bit of background about you and about your experience in the whole thermocouple world, just a, a minute or so. Sure, and absolutely. As as you said, Doug, I am the business development manager of Pelican Wire. Been at Pelican uh, since uh, 2013, so uh, we're we're working on my eighth year uh, here now. I'm a career industrial uh, sales rep. I do have previous experience uh, previous experience actually also in the process instrumentation in the industry. So um, way back when, before I even knew how to spell thermocouples, I was selling that stuff when I first got out of college. So um, I. I Kind of my career's sort of gone full circle, let's say. Nice, nice, very nice. Well, you've got plenty of years, uh, plenty of years experience, which is great. We've had two previous <laughs> episodes with your colleague, Ed Vallejo, and we covered a, a good bit of stuff. We covered a lot of basics in the first episode. We covered uh, standardization and things of that sort in the second episode. So I want to encourage any listeners who haven't listened to those episodes Feel free to go back, search on them, Google Heat Treat Radio, search for uh, Pelican Wire, and listen to episodes one and two. Uh, but, John, you and I'd kind of like to move forward. But I do want to – I'm always kind of curious about this question. It, it, just from your perspective, with your experience, why do we use thermocouples? Let's talk about what they are and why we use them. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, we, we just have to assume that somebody is trying to measure – the temperature of some sort of a process, uh, process or an event of some kind. That's 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 basically what 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 what's trying to, what they're trying to do. Um, compared to other devices like RTDs, uh, biometal thermometers, um, liquid expansion, state change devices, and so forth, thermocouples are they're they're robust. They're they're inexpensive. They're uh, they're they're repeatability. They're ease of use, size. Um, all of all of those factors uh, lead them actually to be um, more widely used than any other sort of uh, uh, thermal measurement devices right. of any kind. So, so that's what that's what makes them very method. popular. It yeah. is the preferred method. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and on top of that, I, I mentioned the the expense part uh, because they're relatively inexpensive. There are certain industries, the heat treating industry and smelting industry, for example, yeah. uh, consider these actually consumable or disposable. So, so yeah. the cost the cost factor fact factors in significantly in 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 the industry that 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 we're talking about here. Right. 
Right. I live in western Pennsylvania in the town where my wife grew up. There was an old Leeds and Northrop um, manufacturing plant. I believe they made the consumable thermocouples for melt for melt shops where they would well, just could be. you would throw that you would throw the, the basically throw the thermocouple in and it would you know melt quickly but it would be it would give you a response you know during that time so right and that's as as I mentioned earlier the response factor is is important for yeah. uh, uh, or or that's one of the factors considered when people yeah. are looking at thermocouple wire and, and and you're correct ed ed as you mentioned ed Vileko, who's has 40 years of experience in the industry um, has seen exactly the same sort of thing that you're talking about, where people will just tack weld it yeah. onto onto something that gets thrown into a furnace or gets thrown into a a, a, a melting pot or something like right. that, and and they're looking for that that instantaneous temperature. We've actually, right. if you don't mind, I'll just tell you, we've actually done some work in the aerospace industry, and we have a have a customer that we sold significant, at literally miles of thermocouple wire to, um, and, and this was for a, a specific, and when I say aerospace, it was actually uh, uh, for space exploration, uh, that part of aerospace, yeah. where they bought the wire that they bought from us because whatever we had done with the insulation, and I can't tell you this is before my time, but this has been related to me, they were able to get another three to four seconds of temperature. Oh, no kidding. Okay. That wire. So there you go. So that's that just that that just that critical extra data for them made all the yeah. difference in the world. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Pay a premium for those three or four seconds. Well, we're going to get to the insulation part, which should be interesting. Sure. You won't have to tell, you won't have to tell us any trade secrets, but that's no. that, that we are, we are headed in that direction anyhow. Okay. So, so d different, uh, different types of thermocouples. Again, just kind of a, qu a review question for us. Why use yeah. them? Why the different types and why are we using different types? Right, and 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 forgive me, Doug, if if and and the rest of the audience, for that matter, if I end up repeating some of the things that that came out on the previous podcast. But yeah. basically, when you're when you're talking about thermocouples, there's there's the two, um, the two chemistries, for lack of a better term, you have base and and noble metals. The the, the base noble, or excuse me, the base metals, are really the, the 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 metals that we focus on at Pelican. The noble metals are the more expensive ones, rare earth metals, you know. Uh, Tungsten, titanium, you know, all yeah. those sorts of things that 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 uh, or platinum rather that 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 people spend you know exorbitant amounts of money on. There are purposes for those, but typically what you're going to see again in the heat treat industry, and in, in, in particular, you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of the base metals. Uh, I I like to say um, truly that the uh, K in particular, 20 gauge K type K, is the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Um, it's 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 almost considered. I, I guess it would be by by people in the industry a commodity. Uh, yeah. th there are untold miles of that wire that's used in the in the uh, heat treating and, and smelting industry. K K is used really because of the of the temperature range. It it, it fits in well with what people do in the heat treating industry. Um, it it's good at at uh, it, it's actually good for for temperatures from zero up to around two sixty. See that would see that we're talking about here. It's inexpensive. Right. It covers the ranges that those people are looking for, um, and it, it, it again, it's it's the eight hundred pound grill in the room when it comes right. to temperature measurement in the, in the heat treating industry. The other types, uh, J is, is is comes up periodically, particularly if you're looking at lower temperature ranges. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, you you won't see it quite as often. Uh, the the J through a couple of wire in particular has. Uh, I, I'm sorry, let me back up. You won't see it as often in the in the in the heat treating industry. You will see it somewhat, but not not to the degree that you would K. Um, it does have an iron leg, so it does oxidize it, it and so gotcha. you need to be careful about that sort of thing type right. t uh, and again forgive me if i'm repeating some of the things that no, that's fine discussed. that's fine. good for us to hear it more than but, once so that's but, good but the but the type t thermocouple wires narrower range uh very good very very good response times in in uh cryogenic uh, and 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 cold temperature applications okay. uh the the higher upper end of type t thermocouple wire typically um uh, doesn't ex wouldn't extend into the, wouldn't wouldn't be of terrible interest to the audience that we're involved with here. You're, right. you're going to see it for the most part because the upper ends around 370 to 400 degrees right. C. You're going to see it in lab environments, um, yeah. and that's 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 going to be where it's the most popular. There's also type E. Um, it's it's higher temperature as well. Response time broader broader range. Uh, a little bit better than than K at lower temperature ranges, and then uh, an interesting one is also is the Type N that you will see fairly often in the in the heat treating industry. For those people that aren't familiar with the Type N, is uh, a different alloys than than Type K. It it covers virtually the same temperature range that Type K does, and, and will actually have less drift than Type K. Uh, okay. It is more expensive because of the alloys that are that that uh, that it's made of. Right. Um, but but again, if if you're interested in less drift, then then Type N is worth looking at. Right. Um, it hasn't caught on quite in the U.S. the way it has in say Europe, uh, in in particular, and and that really has to do with with the infrastructure, the ins instrumentation. Uh, instrumentation isn't uh, uh, people have instrumentation that either it it it's calibrated for K. Or J, or something like that. Now right. there are there are there is instrumentation out there now that 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 uh, would use K and, and N both, and so we may we may see more N, uh, and and particularly again in the aerospace industry, I would think it would become become more and more popular. Right. Right, right. Good, good. Now that's helpful. Those the, the review. It's always good to hear those things over again. So I know I appreciate it. So how about the parameters and or the factors that need to be considered when you're constructing the wire to start with i mean what what do what do we need to be worried about in in that sure. area yeah i don't know if i like the word worried exactly Doug. <laughs> <laughs> what do we need to think about what do, about we, that? What do we need to think about what do we That's need to it. be concerned about i'm yeah. worried that i asked the wrong question but you know besides. <laughs> that's all right um so besides the metallurgy that we that, that we just talked about um it, we we need to think in terms of of what the sensor is actually going to look like. Is is it just the wire? I mean, the, yeah. the thermocouple wire by itself can can be a thermocouple. That's that's it. Without any protection or anything like that, as we mentioned earlier, you can tack weld it to uh, to an ingot or something like that, and and right. there you go. You don't have any probe. There's there's no thermo well to protect it or anything like that. But which what, what we do need to think about then is is the process that it's going to be involved in. Where where is it going to be used? Is it going to see an environment where there's a flow? Uh, is it going to see an environment where somehow the thermocouple wire be, can become damaged? And in, in, and then in, in in that case then um, this, this, then we're heading in the direction of, of talking about what our customers are interested in. And, and for a customer, uh, for Pelican Wire, we're, we're mainly talking about people who actually assemble thermocouples. 
yeah. they, they make right. the connections, they, they, they have the molds and, and all that sort of thing. To be clear, Pelican wire just makes wire. Yeah, uh, right. And we make thermocouple wire. And, and again, the thermocouple wire can be used as, as a thermocouple, but a, a tremendous amount of wire is actually connected to some sort of a sensor, a probe, as I said. Uh, it's, it's, it's protected in a thermal well, uh, did, uh, something along those lines. Sure, sure, yeah. Do we have to also be concerned with? Uh, and I think you may have uh, you may have alluded to this, but uh, oxidizing, carburizing atmospheres, corrosive atmospheres. Those are is that also something we need to be aware of? Absolutely, and that and that's yeah. one of the reasons that you will see the probes or a probe sort of uh, uh, thermocouple is because the wire is protected from that atmosphere. Nearly yeah. all all of the all of the. Uh, the the nearly all of the wires that we talked about anyhow the the, the metallurgy would be affected particularly in say like a, a sulfurous environment uh, and, gotcha. and be subject to corrosion oxidation something along those lines so we do need right. to be concerned about that um, other factors of course are 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 the accuracy um, right yep. uh, how, how much how much how much space we have uh, believe it or not if it's if it's going to go into a a small orifice then we need to think about uh -huh. what the gauge size is going to look like um, gotcha. and then the environment uh, again is it is it going to be abrasive uh, is there is there movement is there some sort of uh, abrading right. motion that could where uh, where a hole in the wire uh, in, in in the insulation and so forth so there are there there it's a lot of things to think about. Right, um, right. And probably a good idea, especially if you're running some, if our heat treat people are running anything outside of the norm, regardless of what it is, whether it be atmosphere, con uh, fi configuration, fixturing, if there's anything outside the norm, uh, they would probably be wise to mention it to the thermocouple wire and or thermocouple uh, probe manufacturer and make sure they know so that they can, uh, that you guys can help, help, uh, you know, get the right thing on there in their yeah, in their at, at, yeah, at, at, absolutely. We're at at the end of the day, we you know we work with this 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 every day. We have yep. design engineers on staff who who can assist with technical questions and so forth. And right. of course, our our customers again, the actual term a couple wire assembly uh, the people. Uh, this is what they do every day of the week. So gotcha, uh, gotcha. It's, it's 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 good to cover those things. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about something a little bit, little bit new, I guess, to to our conversation here in this three-part series, and that is the insulation that's going to go around these wires. All right, let, let's talk about let's talk about that. Can you tell us what what are the different types of insulations and what are the advantages and or disadvantages of each, and why would we be using them? Yeah, absolutely, Doug. And I'll break it down into uh, really the. Four, what I would what I would call the four basic categories, and, and that would be an extruded insulation, uh, and then insulations that are that are tapes. Uh, there's also fiberglass insulations that 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 are routinely worked with, and then of course high temp textiles. High temp textiles in particular would be of, of interest again to the audience here in the in the heat right. treat uh, metal metallurgy world. Uh, extruded right. insulations can be um, a variety of thermoplastics um, when a term that I think Ed has probably mentioned before and we've talked about before is extension grade wire. That's typically has a PVC insulation on it. And the reason right. PVC works for that is it's cheap and, and, and extension grade wire typically does not see the sorts of uh, high temp environments that you're going to see in, in, in processes. It's really a signal wire that takes the signal from, yeah. from the probe or from the sensor to the, 
process control device. Uh, but there's other other. I'm sorry, Doug. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. I said, what? So, what kind of temperature tolerances can the extruded handle? I mean, are we talking? 300, 400 degrees. I guess you talk C. I talk F. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's that? We, we we talk whatever language our customer yeah. likes to talk. But we do talk yeah. we, do, we do talk C quite a bit. So yeah. uh, PVC is 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 quite low. It's in the two hundreds. Um, okay. I'm sorry. In that case, that's C. I'm sorry. That's F rather. So, but when you're looking at uh, fluoropolymer insulations, um, yeah. and, and and Pelican is really a, a high temp house. So we, we focus on 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 the, on the higher temp insulations. So fluoropolymers, you, you have FEP and PFA. Um, those are those are in the 200s. Uh, the PFA actually goes up to 260. So you can see it's probably mm -hmm. not suitable for again heat treating applications, uh, you know, right. smelting, and that sort of thing. Right. Right. That's that's the, the advantages to those products to, to those compounds anyhow would be that you're going to have abrasion resistance because fluoropolymer think. Think like your Teflon frying pan. Okay, yes. it's, it's slick, smooth. So if right. you're in an environment where there's some movement, um, uh, anything along those lines, it'll be good for that. And of course, it'll have excellent moisture resistance and chemical resistance. Gotcha. So those, gotcha. those would be the advantages to extrude it. The other, the other um, advantage would be that because you'll have a thinner wall, and you will with the other insulations, you'll have some more flexibility. Gotcha. Uh, so if okay. you have a tight bend radius, you can go around a corner easily. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. The, the the next step up in terms of, of uh, temperature resistance would be the tapes that I mentioned. So okay. and, and basically in that area, you're looking at PTFE tape, uh, mica tape, and um, Kapton tape uh, or, okay. or polyamid tape. Uh, those those will give you slightly higher heat resistances. The mic in particular would give you more. Um, it, you'll you'll uh, Mike as a matter of fact is used as a supplement actually to the PTFE to give it even even higher heat resistance. Uh, on on those you're looking at, um, at Mike will go up to like 500 C PTFE and and the polyamides match uh, match in terms of heat resistance the extruded products around 260. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. But but what they do do give you uh, again if you use a tape it gives you the, the the heat resistance you're looking for some abrasion resistance uh, and and the moisture resistance again it'll it, it it you'll have less flexibility because those products are stiffer but they're all right. they're also going to be a little bit lighter weight unless you incorporate the mic into it then then when you do that then you're going to end up with an even stiffer um, stiffer gotcha. wire. And, and it, it will actually little, be a little bit heavier. And all of those will be larger in diameter than an extruded wire. Mm -hmm. So again, okay. if you're looking at an environment where you need to poke a wire through a hole or, and that hole is an eighth yeah. of an inch, you need to think really hard if, it's, if what you're doing is going to work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so good. So you got extruded, you got tapes. Tapes. So then the next step up after that would be glass and, and fiberglass. And in the fiberglass. case of fiberglass, in the case of fiberglass, you have E glass and S glass. Uh, e glass would be of of the two. Um, e glass would have the lower temperature resistance. You're looking at 482C on that on on the high end. Uh, for S glass, you're up to 704. Now you're starting to now you're starting starting to talk about insulations that you will see in yeah. in in heat treat in the in the heat treat environment, right. um, and it's 
it's it's quite common, especially on the S class side where you're looking at the 704. You know, yeah. you'll see a lot of people that that need 500C for for whatever reason. So right. that, that's that's quite common. The the, the the advantage, obviously, to the glass, as I mentioned, is the higher heat resistance. The disadvantages will be that, think about fiberglass for a minute. If yeah. we, we, we actually have to saturate the wire to keep it from fraying um, without without it ever really experiencing any abuse. So yeah. uh, if, if we don't saturate it, then the wire can fray. Um, it, you, know, you, you can get fiberglass in your fingers even you know yeah. which is unpleasant so so fiberglass has some 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 disadvantages like that so if you put it in an environment where there's there is some movement or some abrasion vibration something like that it, it, it can be problematic um, also it's going to be stiffer again because it's saturated typically it is going to be a stiffer stiffer wire uh, right. sometimes you'll actually see those saturants even cause problems in a heat treat environment where uh, if it gets too hot the saturant can leave an ash yeah, um, right. ash behind you. You may have already heard of something like that. Uh, you're going to lose flexibility, as I said. Uh, you're not going to have the heat. Uh, excuse me. You're not going to have the abrasion resistance, chemical resistance, or the moisture resistance that you're going to get from an extruded product. Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah. then the other one that you see that that we see again, literally miles and miles and miles of in the heat treat world, would be uh, what's called Refresil. Nextel, those are both actually trade names. So we're talking about vitreous silica and uh, and ceramic. Uh, and and then, again, those are what we call uh, high temp textiles. Now you're looking at, at products that are that are in the 1200 uh, C range. Um, right. Ceramic goes up 1204. Vitreous silica is in the 870s. Um, again, some of the same disadvantages with those that you're going to have with with uh, with glass. It's going to be somewhat fragile. Uh, we don't saturate those because the saturants are not going to hold up in 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 the environments that that they're going to be placed into. So you would have that ash residue left. Right. Um, and and again, you're going it, to it'll be stiff. Um, it'll be larger, even larger in diameter than the fiberglass, which is larger than tape, which is larger than the uh, than the extruded products. And of course, you're not going to have uh, again, as I said, the abrasion resistance, the moisture resistance, or the chemical resistance. Right. But it all- does. But it does protect it does protect the wire in those those elevated temperature environments that are that that are critical for the heat treating industry. Right, right. So let's back up. I want to I want to understand something you said. You said in the fiberglass it's saturated, and in mm-hmm. the textiles it's not. I'm, I want to know what you mean by saturated. Uh, we we put it. Uh, it's it's uh, it's either a solvent based or a water based saturant that's applied to the wire. Right. Uh, to to protect it. it, it basically puts a, um, a it, it'd be like a varnish. Think in terms of a varnish. It'd be like okay, a varnish gotcha. coating. And, yeah. and again, it just it just keeps the the exterior of the wire, the bare wire, from being exposed. Gotcha. Uh, so okay. it's just it's 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 a coating, but we call it a saturant. A saturant. Okay. Very good. Very good. We'll get back to John and Doug in just a second. But first, today's sponsor, the Heat Treat Buyer's Guide, is receiving a lot of traction connecting heat treaters to equipment suppliers and service providers. Need an audit? Check the Heat Treat Buyer's Guide. Or perhaps you're needed furnace accessories. The Buyer's Guide will give you suppliers in your area. At www.heattreatbuyersguide.com, heat treatment resource providers are eager to help you be better equipped to meet your day-to-day needs. Go to heattreatbuyersguide.com to get your products today. Now, let's return to the final part of this thermocouple series with John and Doug. 
high temperature textiles tends to be the stuff that we're using in uh, in the heat treat industry probably most. Absolutely, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Again, when I when I mentioned the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, twenty gauge K uh, with the, with the vitreous silica or the or the refracil, uh, yeah. would be an extremely popular product in the heat treating gotcha. industry. Absolutely, gotcha. So let me ask you a very very fundamental question. Curious of your answer to this. Sure. Why why do we insulate wires at all? Are we is it done for to protect from temperature? Or is it done simply to protect them from crossing with each other and grounding it, or shorting out? Or it, why? It, it, why do we? Yeah, use it? It, it is. It is the second part. The, the, the singles. When when you look at uh, any any wire construction, the the, the two singles um, have to be insulated from each other. Otherwise, right. if if I'll go back to probably something that that as a matter of fact, I know Ed talked about the Seebeck Seebeck effect. You have this yeah. loop. And and if if you don't have that loop, then you don't have anything. <laughs> you don't have you don't have the yeah. EMF. You don't have the electromotive force you're looking for. So right. so typically right. when we're almost well, we do make a wire that that singles. We make a wire that's not duplexed, but typically what you're going to see is a wire that has two singles and then it's duplexed with with an insulation over the top. Right, uh, right. We do make we do make a wire that that the two singles are um, jacketed in parallel in in, but and then no jacket is placed over the top. But that's that's right. for uh, an application that wouldn't be suitable for the heat treat. Industry. Right, right. So I asked that temperature because you know for those who are uh, the, the unbaptized in this conversation, it's kind of interesting. So we're talking about insulation and we're doing a lot of conversation about temperature ranges. And for someone who wouldn't think so, they would say, well, that means you're insulating because of temperature. But really, the reason you're insulating wire is for electrical. I mean, it's to, it's to keep them apart. It's just how high that, that insulation, what temperatures those insulation can handle, not, not that you're insulating the wires to keep them cool. Right. No, 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 absolutely not. No, yeah. you know, and, and most I, that, that may sound very basic, but I, you know, you, yeah. you, there may be people that think that. So when I want to get that on the table, but most, most of the people in the industry, in, in the audience rather are probably familiar with this already, but, but, you know, typically what happens then is the wire is stripped. Yep. And so, so you have exposed ends and then yep. those ends as, as we mentioned earlier, can be tack welded onto something or, yeah, or gotcha. they can just be out there or, in in again, our people that are our customers, um, and and the thermocouple world, by the way, is this this uh, incestuous world where <laughs> yeah. where yeah. where we have customers, we kind of compete with those customers. Our some of our customers compete with others of our customers, but then right. they buy supplies from each other. Right. Uh, you, you probably already know that from talking with other people in this oh, industry. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, so at any rate, the wire is stripped, and and then it's as I said, either tack welded or or you know it's connected to some sort of a sensory probe of some kind. Right, right, yeah, no, very much so. I know there's uh, it's a it's a tangled web. The, the whole uh, thermocouple world, you know, you sell, you've got, you've got customers, yet you sell to certain suppliers who also sell to those customers. It, yeah, it can be complicated, but that's okay. We'll let you guys worry about that. We just want to know. <laughs> that the ther- we'll let the ther- make sure the thermocouples are good and we'll be in good shape. Yeah. Uh, okay. Another question for you. So, does the process being monitored influence what type? We we talked about the process and a lot of different environments about what type of thermocouple. You should use, but does the does the process being monitored influence the type of insulation 
that should be used? Obviously, temperature is going to have an impact, but is there anything else? A- absolutely. Well, a- and we'll, we'll, maybe we'll just circle back on what we talked about earlier just a little bit. But um, if, if we, you, when you look at the process, you need to think of what is going to happen to that wire. Is it going to see, first of all, as you mentioned, the temperatures? Certain, right. Certainly important. So that, so that comes, into, comes into play with the insulation. But we need to think about, is there movement? Is there going to be some abrasion? Is there um, you know, some sort of activity that could damage the wire somehow? So then, right. then we need to look at the chemicals, uh, like we talked about. Do we, need, do we need some chemical resistance? Do we need water resistance? Is it going to be s- submerged? in something. So those things all need to be considered. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the, 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 the actual placement of the wire, is it, does it need to be inserted in a hole? I mean, we, we right. Pelican, we, we produce wire down to 40 and actually 44 gauge, which I think will be probably stunning to most of the people in your audience because, yeah. again, 20 gauge K, 20 gauge K. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what these people think about in the heating, heating, heating. Excuse me, the heat treating industry. What you see is they need a robust wire, something that's going to be able to handle those temperatures and right. and a large conductor like that. Um, another thing to think about actually is is. Uh, uh, a, a, a bend radius. Are you going to put the wire somewhere where it, where it needs to go around a corner, around a bend, something like that? So then, are you better off using a, a stranded wire? Stranded wire is going to have more flexibility. You can buy a twenty gauge stranded wire. You can buy twenty four gauge, twenty eight gauge, thirty six gauge. You know. So now, what forth. do you mean so, by stranded? Stranded wire. What do you mean? So so stranded wire would be instead of just a one solid conductor, one solid twenty gauge conductor. You have. Uh, multiple strands that make okay, gotcha. up that 20 gauge oh, but yeah. if but if you think about it um multiple strands of wire will actually be more flexible yeah you'll, yeah. you'll still get the same results but it, but it will be more flexible if you need to do that if you need yeah. to go around a corner if you need to insert gotcha. it into something so gotcha yeah 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 it's like a bra- almost like a braided braided uh wire as opposed to a, a solid Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now braiding, you know, quite honestly, braiding is a little bit of a different different process. Uh, okay. When we're talking about stranded wire, it's basically just sort of spirally. Gotcha. Braided. Gotcha. Braided okay. is more of a you know cross yeah. cross over Inter- 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 Which yeah. which actually coincidentally is the way that the, that the fiberglass and and uh, uh, high temp textile insulations are made. That those are actually braided. Uh, and, and by the way, I'll just toss this out. It's it's made on equipment that really hasn't changed since the twenties. I'm not talking about <laughs> the 2020s. I'm talking about the 1920s. <laughs> Rumor has it some of that braiding equipment was actually designed by Thomas Edison. I'm not sure if that's really true. No kidding. Okay, but, that's but that 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 that's the that's the process that's used to apply the the fiberglass and and high temp textiles. Right. So any anything else as far as any other considerations we need to take into consideration when we're talking about choosing the insulation um, process goes? I think if I not, that's fine. Yeah, I think I covered them, Doug. Okay, all right, that's yeah. super, super. Yeah. Okay, so how so Pelican Wire, your company? I know you guys deal with a broad number of markets. I'm sure that not you know one of them being heat treat. Mm-hmm. So let's talk just for a second. What are you seeing as any special demands, special concerns uh, that are maybe unique or at least uh, inherent in the heat treat market? 
Sure, sure. So for the heat treat market, uh, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. We see a lot of 20 gauge K used. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's because of the higher heat, um, higher heat requirements, the higher heat that's involved with the processes. Heat treating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, secondly, what you see is is insulations that are that are uh, uh, higher in temperature resistance as well. Uh, in some cases, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, in, in in ovens where there's a saturant involved, we could actually see ash. So some people ask that, that saturant not be applied to be applied to the fiberglass, mm-hmm. and it's certainly something that can be done. Uh, sometimes we're even asked not to put tracers. Now, tracer wire these go back to what we talked about earlier with the metallurgy, you, you have two legs, you have a negative and a positive leg. Well, how do the end users tell those legs apart if they look similar, if they're an alloy yeah. of some kind? So then we put a, a tracer wire in there. So you have a red leg and a yellow leg in a, t- in a case of type K, or yeah. sometimes you just have a red leg or yellow leg, depending upon what they ask for. But uh, those tracers can actually cause problems too if the, if, if, if the ovens are hot enough and they're in there for right. a long enough time. So we even have customers who ask us not to put with tracers in their in their yeah, sure. for that matter. Yeah. Uh, accuracy, of course, is extremely important. I know that uh, Ed in a previous uh, podcast talked about yep. Yep. Um, standard uh, limits, special standard limits. limits, special limits, all that yep. sort of thing. Uh, typically, you're going to see special limits used in the heat treating industry, and yep. um, in, in in some cases, we're asked even for special calibration points. Uh, there's the uh, I, I know that there's uh, in previous podcasts I've heard you talked with other people about AMS 2750 yeah. and how that mm-hmm. comes into play. Extremely critical for the folks in the in the uh, heat treating industry and and something that that clearly your thermocouple producer right. and thermocouple wire pr- producer has to understand. Right. Right. Yeah. And speaking of that, so so let's say you've got a customer who's going to call you wants to talk to you <clears> about their thermocouple needs. Let's say there's a, some sort of special need. What what would you suggest they have in hand when they call you? I mean, what do you need to know from them to help you do a better job with their thermocouple needs? Sure, yeah. I, I, honestly, the first question I think we do ask is, what temperature are you going to be running this at? What, <laughs> how what, hot what, are we going to be? <laughs> yeah, how hot are we going to be? Because because we you know we we absolutely need to know that because again that does help us. Um, Help us narrow down the alloy that we might be looking at, whether it's a type K, type type J, type E, whatever. So it certainly helps right. us out with that. And then, of course, again, it dials in. It's it's a natural thing to dial in the insulation after that. And right. and what, I, quite honestly, one of the things that frustrates me is people say, "Well, I need Teflon." Well, okay. Do you need FEP or do you need PFA? Because those are both fluoropolymers like Teflon is. So uh-huh. we we need to talk about temperature resistance. So don't tell me you just need Teflon. It's so right. So we do right. need some specifics when it when it comes to that sort of thing. And and again, we talked about earlier just a few minutes ago. We talked about stranding, um, stranded wire. Do you need some flexibility? Uh, right. What gauge size do you think you need? How robust does this, does this wire need need to be? So those right. are the those are some of the key factors we need to. Gotcha. To gotcha. Very very good. Very good. Let's let's say for example, John, somebody does want to get a hold of you or Ed, your your colleague who was on the first two. Sure. How how best to do that? How can we get a hold of Pelican Wire? Our <laughs> our web address is, is www.pelicanwire.com, about as simple as it possibly gets. Uh, our email addresses are actually quite simple as well. If anybody wants to email me, it's it's J like the letter J. Now, my last name is difficult. I'm willing to admit that. So it's J the letter J, and then my last name is Nigley, and it's N I. 
G-G-L-E. Again, it's J-N-I-G-G-L-E at pelicanwire.com. So you can you can contact me directly if you want to, or we have uh, we have a sales inbox, and that is simply sales at pelicanwire.com also. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, we, yep. Do, yep. we do have a phone number, but it seems a lot of people don't care about phone numbers much these days. But well, I'll be fire happy it to off, just in case. Let's do that, just in case. 239-597-8555. Two, so I got one go. question. I got one unrelated question for you that I know the world is wanting to know. Sure. How is it having a company in Naples, Florida? That's what I want. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, Doug, the answer today will be different than the answer in, in, in October or December. All right? <laughs> yeah, it's, right. It's 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 actually quite nice. Um uh we we uh we moved down here uh eight years ago uh in, yeah. in 2013. And uh I I moved from the Midwest and didn't really feature myself owning palm trees, but I own palm trees, which is pretty wow. pretty darn cool. Well, John, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for taking your time. Appreciate your expertise. And uh, hopefully we will see you out on the pavement somewhere in the real world. Well, I'll, I'll actually see you at the Heat Treat Show here in uh, in about three weeks, right? That's about right. Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. Hopefully about we'll. three weeks. And, we'll. and maybe, maybe some of the people that are listening will see them as well. Yep. Sounds good, John. Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks for your time. You bet, Doug. Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's Heat Treat Radio episode with John Nigley. Heat Treat Radio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Radio, Podbean, and the website heattreattoday.com forward slash radio. The last episode in this Thermocouple 101 series, as well as the previous two, are all available on heattreattoday.com, so be sure that you go and check those out. To reach out to today's guest, head over to pelicanwire.com or email John at J-N-I-G-G-L-E, that's J-N-I-G-G-L-E, at pelicanwire.com. The sales inbox is sales at pelicanwire.com and the phone number is 239-597-8555. You can even send an email to me and I'll put you in touch. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. We're always interested in new Heat Treat Radio topics. Send me an email with something you find interesting and we can talk about a future Heat Treat Radio episode. Or if you'd like to sponsor a future episode, let me know and we'll be in touch. Again, my email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. Heat Treat Today has various media features on the site in addition to Heat Treat Radio. Take a minute to search our processes or equipment pages, for example, to see what news and technical content is in store. Several processes include nitriding, hardening, quenching, and brazing. If you aren't seeing the topic that you're interested in, let us know at my email, bethany at heattreattoday.com or at editor at heattreattoday.com. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank the Heat Treat Buyer's Guide for sponsoring this episode. Find your heat treatment resource at www.heattreatbuyersguide.com. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. Jonathan Lloyd, audio producer extraordinaire, created and mixed most of the music that you heard today. Check out his professional work at www.jonathanlloydmusic.com. That's Lloyd with two L's. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'm your host, Bethany Leon. Thank you for listening.